Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. The other day, while we were all off celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever it was you were celebrating, New Year's, uh, there was some sad news from the world of not only sports, although, I mean, certainly the man was an athlete first and foremost, but he was... He was more like, I mean, I would argue he was more like um, a statesman. I mean, athlete first, but he he almost had a Muhammad Ali quality to him. I'm talking about Pele, of course, because in most of the world, Pele was probably, everyone in North America, I think, knew the name, but he was probably less famous in North America than anywhere else in the world because, you know, until recently, we were probably the least soccer crazy of any place on earth. But Pele was, was a name that was royalty. And I mean, in Brazil, of course, where he was from Brazil there, I don't know that you could have possibly found anyone who was a bigger deal than Pele, but you go anywhere. And Pele was royalty, even other soccer gods, Diego Maradona, I watched a a video of him when he met Pele. All he wanted to do was to head the ball back and forth a few times just to be able to say, I, I, I was, I got to do that with Pele. Well, someone who got to play against Pele for a little while, uh, not many people can say they did, but, uh, John McGrain, who is a Hamilton sports hall of famer, he's a Canadian Olympian. He is uh, he was a pro soccer player himself. Now he's a builder in that world. Uh, he joins us now. John, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing terrific. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well. And, and uh, you know, you were one of the first people I thought of when I heard that Pele died because I knew that somewhere along the way back in when Pele was playing for the New York Cosmos, I believe, uh, you had had a chance to play against him. I did. It was my 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 rookie season, my first year in, uh, in L.A., and, uh, and Pelé was playing for the New York Cosmos, and that was his last year of playing professional soccer. And uh, my debut was at Giant Stadium against Pelé, Franz Beckenbauer, Carlos Alberto, Georgia. Your, fir- your first game? Yeah, the first game I started was against... Uh, the guy who was playing right fullback at the time got injured in the game before, so they threw me in the deep end. Thank you very much. <laughs> and playing fullback, you were going to be you're going to be seeing a lot of him because he was up front. I saw way too much of him. Let's put it that way. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, he scored a hat trick that day, and uh, <laughs> and one of them I was responsible for. So there you go. Nice debut. When how old would you have been at that time? I was 22. Okay, so you know what? I mean, 22, you're an adult, but you're still a kid, especially, you know, as, as an athlete. It, you obviously knew all about Pele as, as a guy growing up. Is it is it impossible not to be in awe when you stand on the field and look across and see him? Well, to be honest with you, my, my first year in the North American Soccer League, uh, that is where all the big name players came at that time because that's where all the money was. So every game I played, I was playing against the Eusebios, the Beckenbauers, uh, the Gerd Mullers, and I was playing alongside George Best at the time. So, uh, but playing in Giant Stadium in front of close to 60,000 people uh, with an all-star cast at the, the Cosmos War, I mean, it was rather intimidating, I can guarantee you that. But, e- okay, so even with that, though, there is, I would think, in the eyes of most 
casual fans even, and you're not a casual fan, of course, but there is a big difference between Beckenbauer and even George Best and Pele. There, there is a different level when you talk about him. Well, he, as you said in your intro, when you're talking about statesmen, uh, there isn't a part of the world where Pele went where he was not, the name was not recognizable. Uh, in fact, he was so valuable to the country of Brazil that the government passed a law saying that Pelé could not be sold outside of Brazil. He was a national treasure. So that lets you know how big he was. Yeah, and I like I, I think there's an argument to be made. I know everybody says that there has been no bigger, more famous athlete than Muhammad Ali, and, and, and certainly uh, he was known everywhere in the world. But I, I think there's an argument to be made that if you had a questionnaire around the planet at the back in the 70s and you said, who do you know more about, uh, I think you could make a case that the numbers would favor Pele. Well, I think that's got to do with the fact that soccer is a world sport. Of course, of course. And uh, it's played everywhere uh, in the smallest countries that you can think of, whereas Muhammad was a boxer. and But, but Muhammad was also a trailblazer politically and, uh, and well-respected for the stand he took on, uh, uh, you know, on voting rights and so forth. But yep. as far as the name itself is concerned, I think Pelly's the most well-known individual in the world. Okay, so when you line up across from him, even though you've seen all these other great players, um, go back to my question, is, is it daunting or is at that time, if you can think of it, when you're facing someone like that, are you thinking to yourself, here's my chance to really prove myself or are you scared or what, what goes through your mind when you're facing someone like that? Because it would be the well, same I, if it was a young kid playing Gretzky for the first time in your first game or something. Well, I asked my coach, I says, you know, how am I going to play against him? Is it, you know, is he more dominant on his left or his right or whatever. And he says, well, listen, let me just tell you this. He said, great players, you can never stop great players. You can only limit them. So if you can limit them to a little bit here and there, you've done a good job. Well, he scored three goals, so obviously he didn't do a very good job of it. But every game, again, that was my first game. I was raw as could be. Uh, and every game I played from that point forward, I got better and better and better and wiser. And then we played them about five weeks later in Los Angeles, and we beat them four to one. So we did well. Where did, where had you played prior to that? Uh, I played at Brian Timmons Stadium in front of fifty people, three dogs, and two cats. <laughs> that was you did not go from Brian Timmons Stadium to the New York Cosmos. Damn right, I did. Really, there was nowhere yeah, in between. I, I, well, I played in the Olympic Games for Canada, but I went to school at Simon Fraser University. And uh, the season before that, in 1976, I came home to play uh, in the National Soccer League in uh, in Hamilton. For the Steelers. And, and, I, and it, I, no, I think they were called Hamilton City at the time. Okay. And, uh, and it was in the National, again, it was a semi-pro league. And that was a year before I went to Los Angeles. And yeah, there were 50 people, three dogs and two cats. <laughs> how, okay. I, I mean, I don't know the story. So how did you end up, how did you find your way from Brian Timmis to the Cosmo or to uh, LA? Well, that, that year after the Olympics were over, obviously it was an opportunity to get known. Uh, I went back to Simon Fraser in September and we won the national championship and I got the MVP and, uh, uh, then I took, uh, I decided to leave school and I had to wait 90 days and I became a free agent. 
And there were two options. One was L.A. and the other one was Tampa Bay. And I went to L.A. because Bestie was playing there. So that's how I ended Makes up. Sense. But there was no guarantees. I went through three different camps uh, and finally got onto the, the official uh, training camp of uh, 20 players. And by the end of the season, I was a starter. When Pele, when that when you played him, um, I remember stories. There was um, uh, there's a Hamilton guy by the name of Brian Ostrosser who uh, was a baseball player, and in his very brief time, I believe, in the major leagues or reasonably brief, um, he got to have a locker next to Willie Mays with the New York Mets. Now Mays, by that time, yeah. had played all of his time in San Francisco, and and honestly, he was a broken down version of that guy. He looked nothing like the. The, one of the greatest players of all time. Pele obviously scored three goals. He could still play, but was that more a function of his excellence or was that a function your team just wasn't very good that day? Well, this is what's interesting. Uh, Pele was still a force when he played with the New York Cosmos. And what happens sometimes, there are players who tend to play maybe one year or two years longer than they should. And then it, and it affects their... Uh, you know, their legacy, their legacy yeah. that they leave behind. When Pele left, he he left where he could have played anywhere in the world. There's no doubt about that. He played for the Cosmos because it paid him the most money. He was making $3 million in 1976, wow. which was a fortune. Yes. And, uh, no, he, uh, he helped grow the game in North America. He did. He is the reason why the North American Soccer League became relevant. Why all the great players came to play because Pele was there. He's that's the reason why the United States got the World Cup in 1994, uh, and it's the reason why MLS got started. And the rest is history. The, the U.S. national team benefited from it. Well, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, as he's a the one, he's the one that I think is the reason why the United States is a powerhouse in soccer in the top 20 in the world. As a kid, I remember like the biggest star for the Toronto Blizzard at the time was Brian Budd, who, you know, <laughs> good good for him. He was a he was a, you know, a good player and he was a good guy. I met him one time. He came to my school and did a, a school visit and all that kind of stuff. But there is there is a chasm between Brian Budd and Pele, and you know to bring a guy like him into the league or George Best or these guys, uh, I, I, I believe you're absolutely right that. And I know that you know years later when the LA Galaxy signed David Beckham, it was a generation later, but it was the same idea. I don't think it had the yeah. same impact, but it was the same idea. Let's bring in some stars, and maybe people will pay attention. No, well, I think it did make a difference uh, when when Beckham. Uh, came into MLS, I think it gave it credibility right away. Because uh, Beckham, Beckham was definitely not finished as far as his ability was concerned. Uh, but Beckham was not the greatest player in the world. Uh, at, at, mm. See, Kelly well, is yeah. what you would call a generational player. Yep. Uh, in fact, I would even go to say that he was the greatest player of the 20th century. Well, at, that's, uh, John, that's really funny because, you know... We had the World Cup just end in um, shortly before Christmas, and when that ended, all I'm seeing on YouTube, on social media, pardon me, on on Twitter and everywhere else, is Lionel Messi is now the goat. He is the greatest of all time, and it took all of a week and a half until Pele died for everyone to say, "Oh, wait a second, let me let me rethink that." He might be second best, but there's nobody who was like Pele. Well, you know what? Sports fans have the attention span of a TC fly. Uh, true. They will they will grab on to what is relevant at this particular moment. 
But I think what you have to do is taking nothing away from Messi, who I thought was absolutely fantastic at the World Cup for his age. Sure. He was brilliant. Uh, but over the totality of a person's career, uh, I have to tell you, and I've played against a lot of the great players, uh, Pele uh, was, uh, for me, it was a privilege and an honor to be on the same pitch as a man like that. And there's very few people I can say that about. Now today, and I think it's more of a newer thing in the last decade or so, but today, if you were playing your first game against Pele, I'm guessing that after the game, you would have gone up to him and said, can we swap shirts? And he, uh, you know, no insult, John, but would have said, okay, I have no idea who you are, but sure. Um, you know, in later date, he would have, but did you do anything? Did you get an autograph? Did you shake his hand? Did you do, did you do anything? I think I kicked him up the ass once. <laughs> That's not exactly what I had in mind. Well, I got to tell you this, and you'll get a chuckle out of this one. First 10 minutes of the game, the ball breaks to the sidelines, and I went in like a house on fire, not knowing who it was, and I was going for the ball, and this opponent that I went in for went flying up in the air, and the ball was still in play. And it wasn't until that I looked that I realized that I just hammered Pelé. And I imme- instead of going for the ball and getting possession, I immediately ran over to him to pick him up. And the center back that I was playing with says, for God's sake, get your autograph later. <laughs> yeah. but it, that, that was the effect that he had on me that all I was concerned about was that I'd hit Pelé and I'd got to help him up in case I injured him. Did you ever, though, get a chance to have a... I mean, you played in the league for a while with him. Did you ever get a chance to have a word, or was it only on the field as you were playing? Well, the problem with the Pelé was he didn't speak English. None? None. Well... Uh, not, to con- not to have a conversation. I think the only, words, the only words he knew were, give me the ball, I scored goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did but, that well. But he, his English was not very good at all. But... He, he was a very happy, outgoing, pleasant. Uh, he, the guys who played with him said he was great to play with. Uh, just a real gentleman. Uh, and as far as swapping shirts, uh, I think I would have to be sixth in line on my team to run and get Pele's shirt after the game. That's how much he meant to the opposition that played against them. Do you regret, I mean, even though you might have been sixth, do you regret in retrospect not getting an autograph or not getting a shirt or not asking for something? Well, the interesting part is I never, when I was playing against these guys and I played against George and I played against Johan as well and Eusebio and Beckenbauer, uh, I didn't look at them as superstars. I couldn't do that and be effective. I had to look at them as just being an ordinary player. And I went into the game with the mentality that it's me against you. Uh, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure, and sometimes I wasn't very nice with them. And when the game was finished, it was all about winning and losing, not about getting autographs. And But then in retrospect, I say to myself, I've got a few photographs of myself with some of these guys, but it was never in the front of my brain. The, the front of my brain was just about winning and losing. And it's not until after the careers are finished you say to yourself, damn it, I should have got a shirt. Mm. But I bet you that, uh, again, um, you could sit down with, uh, if, if someone was a real diehard soccer fan and you said, I played with, you know, George Best or I played with Beckenbauer, 
yeah, that would be a great conversation. But you could, uh, I'm sure there have been a few conversations that have started even with people who wouldn't necessarily be diehard soccer fans. If you said, I played with Pele, like we're talking today, who would have said, oh, really? Oh, I think most people would say you're full of nonsense. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's got a lot to do with the fact that that I'm going to be 17 years old this year. And uh, a lot of the people who would have watched me playing are either dead or are in an institution somewhere. <laughs> uh, Not just uh, because of your play. Uh, well, yeah, really. <laughs> but it, I think what's happening now is, and I, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, that uh, as, as far as the great names, they are now part of history. Just like my grandfather uh, was at Dunkirk, and now they make a movie of it 60 years later, and people go, oh, well, that's fantastic, but all these guys are dead. So for me, the, my generation, the go, what I call the golden generation of soccer, with all the great individual players, they're all gone now. And uh, today it's all about Ronaldo, Messi, uh, and, and so many others, as it should be, you know, as it should be. So it really is irrelevant what I have done mm. in my life. Uh, it's part of history. And if people are interested in looking at it, they can look it up on the internet. Yeah, I, John, I'll disagree with you on that one. And, and I'll use an example that maybe is more familiar. But I mean, I mentioned Willie Mays or, uh, you know, Rocket Richard or someone. If someone said I had played a game, my first ever hockey game in the NHL, if a guy was 80 years old now and said my first ever game was lining up against Rocket Richard, I think people would still be pretty impressed by that. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that, on that one. And, uh, and again, there are certain names in professional sport, no matter what the sport is, that they will live forever. And if you've had the honor and privilege of playing with them or against them, uh, it's something to be proud of. Uh, you know, I can even remember during the Olympic Games that I was invited on board the HMS Britannia to have lunch with the, the Queen and the Royal Family. I mean, that's, that's something really, really cool. But at the end of the day, uh, people think about what happens today, not about what happened yesterday. And the only time it becomes relevant is when that person dies. And then people go, oh, an icon has died. And then people go, oh, yeah, I used to play with him and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, if you that's, were, my, that's my memory, and and and, and it will probably die with me. But if you're ever going to have been able to say something like that, uh, you know, it's 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 very cool that it was the, I would argue, undisputed greatest of all time. I mean, it's 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 really nice to for all the people who played against someone who was second or third or in the discussion for top ten, but. You know, again, whether it's uh, if you played with Babe Ruth or if you played with Michael Jordan or you played with Wayne Gretzky, the, the, you know, or if you play with Pele, that's, um, you know, there's only one of each of those guys in their sport. And that's uh, that's a very cool thing. Uh, John McGrain, it's, it's a fun story and I uh, really appreciate you um, coming. I, I've, I knew for years that you had played against Pele, but I didn't know the story. Appreciate you doing this today. Hey, listen, it's my pleasure. And uh, again, Happy New Year to you. Thanks, John. And uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. That is John McGrain. Um, it's a great story. I wish, uh, I'm sure there are other people out there, even in this area who have something like that, where there is some, well, I'll tell you my brother, here's an example. My brother-in-law, last time Paul McCartney was in town back five, six years ago, my brother-in-law was the, my two brothers-in-law were the drum major and pipe major for the Argyles and got to go on stage and play Mull of Kintyre with Paul McCartney. That see, there you go. That's. 
course, they never told me ahead of time so I could come down and, <laughs> and meet Paul McCartney. I found out when I was sitting in the audience and here they come marching onto the stage and like, first of all, it was really cool. Then I was ticked off that they hadn't called me to let me know to come and meet him beforehand. Nonetheless, you know, at the end when all is done, you go, yeah, I got a chance to do that. That's, I'm sure there are other people listening even who have had a chance to perform or play or do something with the greatest at what they do. It's a, it's a cool thing. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.